0: Welcome to this podcast to mark Mental Health Awareness Week. My name is Joanna Aunyon and I'm a director at Whittle and Diversity in Retail. And for those of you who don't know us already, we exist to support organisations to create inclusive cultures where anyone can thrive and reach their full potential. In October 2021, we partnered with Thrive, a leading mental health care service to launch a seminal piece of research. This was to determine whether there is a direct link between inclusion in the workplace and mental health positivity across the hospitality, travel, leisure and retail sectors. We felt this study was especially important due to the wellbeing and mental health impact of the pandemic. And the results are fascinating, showing a proven link that an inclusive work environment actively drives positive mental health. In this podcast, I'm joined by Andres Francesca, CEO and co-founder, and Kerry Bailey, research scientist at Thrive, to discuss the results in more detail. In our conversation, we explore the relationship between inclusion and positive mental health, how it makes business sense to focus on inclusion, and what practical steps organizations can take to make meaningful change. I hope you find our conversation interesting and enlightening. So welcome, Andres and Kerry, thank you so much for joining me today to discuss the findings of the research that we worked on together over the last few weeks and months. And Andres, if I could come to you, please, first of all, and, you know, everyone would say you would imagine, yes, of course, you know, inclusion and uh, mental health, of course, there's a positive connection. But so why is the results of this uh, research so important, do you think?
1: Yeah, as I said, I mean, as, as you said, it's, it's, it, it might be common sense, right? You might be you say, okay, yeah, this is blindingly obvious. But it is important to check our intuitions and to, to see if they are borne out by the data. And I think I think in, in this particular case, it seems to be particularly strongly borne out by the data. So so those intuitions seems seem to be confirmed. And also, so if you if you if you look at the at the cost of of uh, of poor mental health in in, uh, in the sort of hospitality travel and leisure and retail kind of um, uh, industry in general, uh, we know that poor mental health costs about 1,600 uh, pounds per employee per year, right? So, so it is important to confirm our intuitions that there's a clear link between, between doing something about this, you know, doing something about in, in increasing inclusivity and diversity in your workplace and the direct impact that this is going to have in reducing uh, those costs. I mean, there, there's there's already a great incentive in terms of reducing human suffering in general. I mean, that's very important, right? So it's like mm-hmm. the number one. But um, you know, even if you are um, if you if if you're having to justify this to your chief financial officer, right? So so here's the research that kind of bursts it out and tells you yes, there's solid data. There's this there's, there's a clear line between doing something about these things and getting a, getting a good result so I think I think that's what's important is that I think is, is to is to check those intuitions and, and to make sure that they bear out and I mean the research is, speaks for itself I think I think it's very strong in that sense
0: No, absolutely and that and the cost as you say is astronomical isn't it if you really do do base it to that so it, it is really powerful to have a strong evidence-based link between the both as you say for the business case
1: yeah definitely and and I think that's that's that, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's what we should be focusing on. You know, you, you must check these intuitions, and if you're going to invest, you're going to invest in something that is impactful, both from a human perspective, but also from a financial perspective. Again, you know, you know, everybody has got shareholders, and everybody has to has to justify things yeah. to their CFO. So in this case, you know, companies that want to what are motivated to, to do well have a very strong standpoint to 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 actually do good here. Um, so absolutely, yeah.
0: And, and Kerry, you've analysed all of the, the research, and what, what do you think are the main themes that have come through with this link between inclusion and positive mental health?
2: Yeah, so obviously when I first looked into the data, I looked at, does do people who think that their workplace is more inclusive, uh, do we find that they have more positive mental health? And as a whole, we found that there are more, more positive mental health outcomes, uh, the more inclusive they find their working environment. However, I then looked into the data in a bit more detail to see if we could find any differences between stress, anxiety, and depression independently. Mm -hmm. And we found that for the employees who really strongly agreed that their workplace was more inclusive, we see really significant reductions in stress uh, compared to anxiety and depression. And I thought that was a really interesting outcome because uh, for stress, I feel that that can be a bit more situation specific uh, so if your workplace uh, creates more inclusive procedures, it could be a bit more of an instant result where you're, you're having a bit more, your stress is instantly lowered uh, when, when you feel more comfortable to be in the workplace. Um, whereas anxiety and depression, they could follow from the stressful situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's when um, you might need a bit, you, you might need other interventions to come into place to help with that uh, where you might need to seek professional support to help with the anxiety and depression, whereas stress is kind of that 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 immediate effect where a more inclusive environment uh, can help to really reduce your stress
0: levels. That's so interesting, isn't it? So I think and Andres, you could basically say, well I say inclusion then is a preventative or you know a, a preemptive action really to reducing post- mental health um, challenges. Yeah.
1: Yes, I mean it it, it, it. it kind of lines up with uh, with again uh, some intuitions that you may have about about this whole topic. So, uh, if you're looking at um, a worthwhile investment that is, you know, that is very likely to pay off very quickly, is is to is to do something that really changes your ability to prevent these conditions mm-hmm. from from occurring. And and we see from the from the results of the study that it is very likely that by increasing your your inclusivity, your your diversity in your workplace, you're going to reduce that stress. You know, chronic stress we know leads to anxiety and depression. So, a, a diverse environment has less impact on these clinical conditions. We we know that, but it does have an impact. So, you, you're already producing a positive effect there. So, it's, even if you think, oh, you know, a lot of my a lot of my uh, employees may be affected by depression and anxiety, how worthwhile is it for me? It is still worthwhile you know, investing, but. Going forward, you're going to reduce that basic, you know, that, that level of, anxi- of, of, of stress, and that's going to result in eventually actually reducing the rate of anxiety, reducing the rate of depression. Um, so it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to pay off even more um, mm-hmm. in the medium long run. So it's going to pay off immediately because you see that reduction in, in stress, and stress can affect performance. We know this, but also medium long term is going to be a very worthwhile uh, investment because it's going to pay off. Uh, by reducing the risk of anxiety and depression as well.
0: And I think if you don't mind, if we go again a little bit deeper, even more deeper into the results and pick out some of the, you know, what I found really um, fascinating and and, um, key points. And I think one of those that that really um, came through to me was about the their opinion being valued essentially so we went to, you know obviously people can read the study and they, and they can see all of the all of the results but this piece around you know when you feel your opinion is is valued the the feelings of inclusion increase the feelings of positive mental health um increase as well but what I found fascinating around this was that junior employees, felt the least heard and the least that their opinion were, were valued. Kerry I don't know if you want to to kind of pick up on that or your thoughts on that.
2: Absolutely yes. Yeah. so there, there really was a a bit of a staggering difference there. It was around 63% of employees in a more managerial position agreed that their opinion was valued in uh, drastic contrast to um, just less than 38% of employees in a more junior position. So yeah it's a really interesting finding um, where we're finding this great divide where people in more junior positions really do feel that their opinion isn't necessarily being heard. Um, and um, yeah, it could it could be due to the fact that, that they may feel that they could be their job could be at risk by speaking up in the workplace. Um, they may feel that it's not actually like a safe place to speak up and, and provide their opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and it could be due to the company culture that they're working in. So,
0: and I think that's a really key point, Kerry, isn't it? Because Andres, we, you know, the link between psychological safety, this feeling and inclusion, and therefore, you know, the impact that we've just discussed in that in, in improving positive mental health. How how key do you think that is?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's this there's this concept that you mentioned is of, of psychological uh, safety, which is um, which is you know the the feeling that you get from you know within yourself, but also from the people around you, but how safe it is to speak up and to and to say something that you might see as uh, less than popular or somehow frowned upon. You know, it's, it's like that, that feeling of I can't really share my views because then I, then it might result in a bad outcome for myself. So that that would be the definition of a place that does not have very good uh, psychological safety and the opposite would be a place where you feel that your opinion right or wrong and and what you're going through what you're experiencing is validated and not dismissed and not and not used as something that is going to be. um, um, Basically used against you in any way, right? So 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 it's that feeling. And it's it's interesting how that develops. Is it is a deliberate thing that you must try and build within your within your company. And is A by sort of by modeling this behavior from from a senior perspective, by you know being able to share things that you know other people might see as maybe um Things that 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 might um, might not m- might be seen as a, as a weakness or as a problem. So, if, if senior management is comfortable uh, sharing yeah. these things, you know, sort of speaking about them. Openly, then mm-hmm. it signals to the rest of the workforce that it is safe to speak about these things, and it is safe to sort of voice these concerns and, and to sort of say you know what their experience is like or what they might be struggling with, right? So so that's one important thing. The other thing is about your peers and how your peers work. So again, is if 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 it's if it's happened at the at the at the top level, it's no guarantee that it's going to uh, happen at the level of of, of the peers. So again, it's, it's about everybody being more comfortable sort of sharing these things and supporting one another. When, when you know, some something that may be seen as um, uh, controversial, or, or not necessarily controversial, but something that is an admission uh, of you struggling or something like that, is not going to be uh, again used against you by your peers. But again, the third level is, is, is internally. It's like once you've observed this uh, behavior in in the environment, is just making that effort. To to share yourself, and if if you do make that effort, um, again you're making it safe psychologically safe for others. That that makes sense, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you're expressing your own opinion, um, then somebody else in that in that in that peer group is going to listen to you, and you're going to make it psychologically safer for them. So it's good for you because you know you're going to increase your those feelings of inclusion yourself, um, but also you know you're going to make it easier for for so there's a ver- there's a virtuous cycle there yeah. to, to be gained from it. Um, but yes, I think I think it is also important to 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 create um, forums where. Where people can, um, you know, safely or, or, or can feel that they can express their opinions. Um, again, those feelings of inclusion. My opinion does it matter? Does it not matter? You know, again, managers feel more included. So, so I think it is incumbent about managers, so to to, to listen to to the people that they're supervising and actually make it very clear that you know what they have to say is very valuable if you're working at the at the shop floor level right if you if you you know client facing on the call phase, as it were mm-hmm. you gaining insights that those managers are not going to have so those managers better be paying attention to what you say because actually it could be very very important to 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 the business as a, as a whole to 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 the whole enterprise as it were so that you must as a manager you must make an effort Um, to try and make those people that you're supervising feel heard and actually pay attention to what they say because actually they could save your business really and and they could could really turn things around because they are detecting those things early on because Mm -hmm. they are facing the client day in, day out, right? So those are valuable insights that you need to pay attention to. So you're going to benefit on two levels, A, from the insights and B, from the fact that you are making them more, uh, feeling more included and actually you're going to reduce their stress you're going to reduce the risk of having a mental health condition so it's it's, you know it's it's wins all around cost you nothing so there you go
0: yeah exactly and it and it would help everything in that respect isn't it productivity and i I think in in the in the study um carry in terms of recommendations as well for organizations you said it was very important that if an opinion comes up and for whatever reason the company can't do it you know sometimes that's the case is that, that that is you know, that is fed back down, isn't it? So people don't feel it just goes into the ether and, you know, that valuation, that's really important, isn't it?
2: Absolutely, because it's absolutely fine if there's been an opinion that's been expressed and if for certain reasons it can't be executed, that's fine, but it's just a case of making sure that the employee still feels that their opinion was valued, their voice was heard, you listened to what they said and you've provided constructive feedback as to why it might not be able to be executed. So I think the key thing is just to make sure that regardless of the outcome, whether, whether their opinion and their idea can be executed, acknowledging it, actively acknowledge what their idea was and say reasons as to why it can or cannot be executed. I think that's the key point, just making sure employees know regardless of the outcome, their voice was heard and yeah, they, they know why. certain opinion couldn't be executed provide that constructive feedback is key.
0: Thank you and I I think moving through um, some of the the other key points that we have I I also found it so interesting that when we asked people you know what was already in place what their organization is already doing to try and build inclusive um, environments and actually what the impact of them were the the two lowest scoring for one of a better word and you'll correct me if I haven't if I haven't put it correctly was that um, executive role models or behaviors of executive role models and flexible working that they acknowledged that it was in place, but in terms of impact were the lowest um, in terms of building that inclusion and then when you look at what would you really like to see and what would you like an increase in it was those two things wasn't it so they're in existence you know in they're not really prolific but then people wanting them really high up and and I think you know one of the discussion points is, as, as we've said is what do we mean by that executive role model piece do we think that people are saying it's about representation or do we think people are saying about behaviours
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really interesting finding because, as you say, it's one thing to know which procedures, uh, which inclusive procedures are are less voted for. So we know that flexible working and executive role models are least voted, but to actually then find that they're the things that they want in place the most, it's then we can then draw on that and then think, what what can we do next? In terms of the executive role models, yeah, it absolutely could be looked at from two different angles. So for one, it could be that um, the, the managers, uh, the, the people who are more senior in the organization, um, it may be the case that they need a bit more inclusion training to uh, act more as better executive role models for the people that they are, they are managing. That could be one thing, but it could actually also be that the employees who are in more junior roles aren't seeing the ability to be able to progress within the organization. Um, and it could be that there may need to be Better, like make cultural and organisational changes within the workplace where they, they can see that there is opportunity for them to progress and become those role models. Um, so it could be looked at from two angles for sure. Um, and it's something that we definitely have to look into in more detail in future research mm-hmm. because we've found this really key, interesting finding and it would be really interesting to understand that more.
0: But you never know for our next our next study together (laughs) absolutely yeah (laughs) andres did you want to comment on that
1: before yeah no it was it was a striking finding wasn't it you Mm. know that that there's this contrast between what people want and when they get it how they how they value it and and i think i think we don't know i think it's the short answer with you know Mm. as carrie was saying perhaps perhaps this is an area to to probe because it is so striking that it is the, the area that people want it, you know we better make sure that we get it right um, rather than speculate you know because we may have an intuition my intuition is is, is that is that it is about um not just the behaviors but it's about having those role models having those people in those posts that's going to give the strongest signal again i, I don't know we need to do the research but that would be my intuition that that you do need to see that representation in order to feel that that is uh, that is an op- a door that is open to you, right? So, so I think I think it's not just about you know the training. I think the training is important, and I think people do value that training. And 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 you know th- th- that is that is definitely something that that adds uh, adds value to the whole thing. But it's more about perhaps those uh, those changes that Kerry uh, was saying, uh, and about you know making those opportunities available for people so that. Uh, you know, everybody in the organisation can see themselves represented at every level, uh, and then that—that's probably going to sort of make make a real difference um, to, to to people. In terms of of, um, of flexible working, again, is it, it'll be interesting to sort of ask um, how is that implemented, because it might be it might be about the implementation. As well, so they, they, they you may pay lip service to flexible work and not be fully fully addressing what it is that people mean by by flexible working. And I know I know that that can be very difficult when you when you have a rota and you have to you know cover seven hours. And and I know that people are working out of spreadsheets a lot of the time to try yeah. and create that rota. And it's you know it, it's it's hard to manage that. You know if, if you if you're a senior person in the organisation trying to fill a rota. With all the with all the staff shortages that we know exist that's going to be a, a big challenge on you and that's going to add to your stress right so so of, of course of course there is that but I mean I, I know that there are there are some more intelligent scheduling solutions that may allow, to implement this better to sort of give people more notice um, and allow people to sort of be able to sort of signal their preferences more clearly, and perhaps instead of just giving them like only one week rota, so they only know one week in advance and they cannot plan anything, right? They cannot even know when they're going to have, be be able to sort of have an appointment with their GP, you know, see if you can give two, three, four weeks uh, notice to people uh, and make sure that, you know, people are able to sort of show their preferences or when you have a gap, you already know who to pull in, and if you implement one of those systems, it able, enables you flexibly to pull staff from other locations as well. So, so that might contribute to to overall um, true um, flexibility. So, 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 so that might be how to address it. But again, I am I am guessing these are my intuitions, uh, and perhaps these are areas that we need to explore more in detail.
0: And, and it is, isn't it? Because you have we've got a mixture of people that have completed the survey from an office perspective from a from a site perspective right, yeah. as well and I, but i think you know i think that that absolutely is from an operational perspective is that you know the impact that you know to have certainty and to have a little bit of flexibility as well even when you're in an operational role i think you know again my intuition we we, we need to delve deeper but it just helps i think the stress level which then you know and and i think it will you know if we're talking about being valued in your opinion is being valued you know, to, to be able to say, this is what I would like to work, and, and it's a common, you know, and it's, in, you know, that impact as well, I think is, is big, you know, because then you feel more valued, because it's, you know, you're not being asked to do, you know, a double shift, or you're not being asked to, you know, mm. drop everything at the, at the at, you know, at the last minute, essentially, I think that's but a big
1: impact. Absolutely, and we know from other research in burnout, that having control mm. Of a, your work, yeah. you know, having the ability to be a little bit autonomous and how you complete your work and how your work is assigned. And how you were able to sort of deliver on it is actually one of the most protective things against burnout. And of course, burnout is even the precursor to chronic stress. So if you if you started to become burned out, that's when that that you know chronic stress starts accumulating. And of course, that then leads on to, to other conditions such as depression and anxiety. So so we know that from other research. So I think, yeah, we, you know, at the moment that the study didn't particularly address this specifically, but we know that. That, that is an area that that will have an impact from all the research so so i think i think we're safe in saying that if yeah. we do this that, that it's going to be soon to pay off
0: and and i think moving through as well because again another piece of the research that i found so insightful was the fact that certain communities you know felt s- stronger uh in a sense about particular points so for example the lgbtq plus um uh, respondents or who identified as L- LGBTQ plus in the in the study they were the most vocal group in requesting that inclusion training was was either implemented or better implemented into their organization and and that they wanted a, you know specifically more role models Kerry what are, what are your thoughts on that
2: yeah so it's a really interesting finding um and I think this can be due to the fact that quite often people can hold unconscious biases and this means that basically we're we're unaware of how we behave may actually have negative implications and um so people who do not identify as lgbtq plus um they don't actually know what it is that they need to know so that they're not checking the box to say i'd like to see more inclusion training in the workplace because they're feeling that everything that's happening in the workplace is great and they're feeling like it's a very inclusive workplace whereas other people so, so the people that are identifying as lgbtq they they're seeing where the issues are and they know that there needs to be more inclusion training for everyone um, and as, as i said it's it's then the people who do not identify as that that they they don't actually know what it is that they need to know so they haven't checked that box so that's why it's just so important to provide really regular diversity and inclusion training for the entire organization, so everybody is kept into in the loop. Their knowledge is consistently up to date, um, and yeah, then then they know what it is that they need to know. <laughs> and,
0: and 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 again, that feeling of inclusion is. Born from that, isn't it? People can feel that they can be their true selves at work without having to explain about, or in, or hopefully not having to explain every time about their identity. You know, whatever is, whatever community they identify with. Andres, I don't know if you wanted to comment on that.
1: Oh, absolutely. No, it's, it's, I think it's, I think it is about that. I think it's about uh, making sure that at least there's a there's a shared understanding and language, so that when you're trying to sort of communicate. Um, you know your perspective, where you're coming from. That, that that you don't have to start from the very beginning <laughs> and spend like an hour uh, trying to sort of, uh, you know, talk to somebody who who has never been exposed to these things. And, and this is what we say. So so um, uh, when you when you when you don't when you're not part of that community, you you may not even know what you don't know. You may have a basic understanding and think that you know pretty much everything there is to know about that. Mm. Uh, but there's massive gaps in your knowledge um, that, yes, the people from that community are perceiving and are finding, like, they're finding to be a challenge and a barrier to them. So that's why, you know, they, they, they find themselves in the position of having to be so vocal and, and demand that <laughs> that people are better educated in these things so that they don't have to spend so long trying to get people up to speed with, with these concepts. I think, I, think, I think it is important because you know a lot of people that are not from that community, they don't even know what they don't know. So they don't perceive that to be a problem. Um, and and you know, I, think, I, think, I think that's one that is kind of easy to listen to. Yeah. Um, it is also about trying to motivate people that don't have that knowledge and, and, and get them to understand why it is important. And, and it, it might not strike people as important that they are more educated in these topics. Uh, but the reality is that, you know, they might say, oh, you know, but, but, you know, I have no experience of this. This is unlikely to happen. It could happen. You know, they could have uh, people that identity within their own families, and they might not even know it because they're mm-hmm. not even paying attention to this. So so it might be actually quite personally important to them <laughs> that they pay attention to these things. You know what I mean? So, So... They they don't they might be even blind to these things uh, at the moment. Um, so so yes, it is important to them on a personal level as well, and I think it's trying to sort of convince them of that.
0: Uh, absolutely, and I think you know moving forward in in terms of another um, uh, kind of group that felt particularly strongly was from female respondents around acceptable ha- behaviors because you know that was one of the things we asked. In terms of you know what do you have in your organisations and I, and I think from from reading that two thirds of female respondents you know really wanted to make sure that their organisation had acceptable behaviour policies as well which again intuition but when you think about the fact that UK hospitality has just brought out um, a checklist to help support and to try and eradicate preventing sexual harassment at work you can't help but think there's a link here isn't there that sexual harassment sadly is still really quite is is prevalent in 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 the sectors Kerry
2: yeah absolutely it is a striking finding that it was yeah two out of three employees who wanted to see more acceptable behaviour policies put in place, that they are female, and um, yeah, so we're we're still finding that there are more females that are saying that there could be bullying and harassment, uh, sexual harassment, it could be happening in the workplace, and we're finding this in our data that that, that despite procedures that are being put in place, people are still requesting that that they're being listened to. That um, uh, you know that we, they need to have appropriate action needs to be taken against unacceptable ha- behavior in the workplace. Um, ch- challenge that unacceptable behavior when you see it. Um, because females are still are still from our from our data, we're finding that they're still that the acceptable behavior policies. Um, that they they need to be better behavior policies put in place for, for females.
0: Yeah, which I think will then help every employee isn't it so you know and it's that zero tolerance piece Mm -hmm. I think isn't it so both from a customer perspective Mm -hmm. and also from a from a peer and employee perspective isn't it I think that's Mm -hmm. really key that it has to come from both absolutely that's what I inferred
2: yeah it needs to be um ensured and supported by all members of staff
0: and and then I think um one, you know, one of the, the kind of final key points uh, that I'd just like to explore with you a little bit is that 75% of the employees you would like to see more inclusive procedures put in place have previously suffered with an episode of depression, anxiety or burnout mm-hmm. as well. I thought that was, uh, Andres, I don't know if you wanted to kind of comment on that. That's a very high percentage of people, you know, seeing inclusion as, um, uh, you know, something as a really key to helping them in the you know maintain their positive mental health or to help them if they're struggling at the minute
1: yeah so and and i think they, they probably they probably are talking from experience right so so going back to the original point that we made at the at the top of the of the discussion we know that um you know being able to sort of have a more inclusive and diverse environment is going to lead to to less stress and less stress leads to Lower risk of depression and anxiety. So these people are telling us that they probably went through that cycle, right? That that they the the their environment was uh, increasing, uh, contributing to the distress, and that led to them developing that you know burnout, depression, anxiety. Mm. Of course, so 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 they are. I mean, again, if you want any confirmation of of how worthwhile the investment is, you know, there you go. So so people with this experience are telling you this is a very important area. That had it been Had it been um, approached in a different way, had it been better, Maybe I wouldn't have had. I wouldn't have had. Um, I would have gone down this route, and I wouldn't have mm-hmm. had an episode of depression or anxiety. So, you know, again, it. it I think it validates the whole thing um, quite strongly. So, so it's, it's, it's definitely worthwhile. I did want to make a, a quick point on that on that um, harassment uh, mm-hmm. discussion, and you know, I, I'm I'm worried about how those policies are actually written and who writes them and what is there and what isn't. So, I think a lot of that discussion is about. Um, how do you define this unacceptable behavior and whether the behavior that um, a particular woman is experiencing is actually reflected in that policy so that they have something to talk about you know do you see what i mean because it might be it might feel very very frustrating that you that you know that you're being harassed for a fact but you have nothing in the policy that you can point to do you see what i mean so so you know uh, maybe maybe it's just staring in a particular way you know sustained staring i mean you know if you read the policy, there's nothing about that sexualized staring that that is obvious uh, sexual harassment. But you know the woman doesn't feel like they can go to their manager and say, "Here's the policy. You know this is what's yeah. happening to me." Right. So so that's that's one of the points that I that I worry about. And maybe maybe the research is telling us that we need to be, do a better job of drafting them, and perhaps I don't know if they were drafted in a in a room. Without the input of any 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 women, but you know, may, maybe it is about including people that are affected by this problem into the drafting of these documents so that they know exactly what yeah. it is that they, that mm-hmm. needs to be reflected on those policies. Yeah. And and,
0: and have they been updated back to your point. You know, updated, you know, yeah. have they been updated? Because there's so much terminology, there's certain things, sadly, you know, that perhaps were never even thought of in terms of women experiencing it uh, now. And I'm just being very blatant and very you know open is so, you know you know up you know, upskirting you know when people are taking photographs and things like that yes that's that's a far more um kind of in the in the discussion is it, has that been updated in the policy back to your point andres you know it's all of those things mm-hmm. but i also think it's um one of the key things is you can have all the best policies in the world It's how then the practices mm-hmm. of how that managers feel confident or capable mm-hmm. in order to to do that because again it comes back to that you know that circle of if i if i put my head above that parapet kind of thing yeah. is it being dealt with in in the right way and and you know it's not just being brushed mm-hmm. under the carpet in any instance not just in terms of uh acceptable behavior but mm-hmm. the inclusion yeah, it's about um,
1: psychological safety again exactly
0: yes exactly it's again it's that you know that that loop so um so we're very sadly coming to the end of our time this has been such a fascinating discussion i think kerry if i can come to you we've we've talked a little bit as we've gone through about the um you know the recommendations that we're 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 giving to employers and they're in the study but if you had to pick out the key ones generically um Mm. you know going forward what would they be for, for anyone listening yeah. to the podcast today
2: yeah so I think the the key take home really out of um the full list of recommendations that we have is really about the uh the point we find on employees opinions being valued um I think that's the key recommendation I would take from this is that that, that was when when we because we looked at inclusion as a whole and found more inclusive working environments mean more positive mental health outcomes um but then we we really did break it down and look at loads of different separate um inclusion statements to see if we could pinpoint exactly what areas of inclusion need to be uh, focused on and as as we've discussed previously uh, the when i speak up i feel my opinion is valued that statement was the most significant predictor of someone developing a potential uh mental health uh, difficulty whether that's stress anxiety depression or all three um it really is the opinion being valued so so my key recommendation really is making sure that those procedures are put in place to make sure employees voices are being heard when, when they offer an opinion you actively listen to it you actively say okay i i've heard this and uh, that's that's a great idea Let, let's share this with the rest of the team and let's think about how we can implement this um Show your employees that you 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 have heard their opinion and you're willing to act on it. I think that's the, the key recommendation really that I
0: would say has come from this study. Fabulous, thank you, Andres. Did you have any final thoughts?
1: No, I think um, I think Kerry sort of put it across very um, very clearly and succinctly. Is is you know I mean I suppose my point is that it is worth looking into this. Uh, investing in it and making an effort to do it and as you've heard today most of the things that one has to do to make uh, the workplace more inclusive cost you zero it's more Mm -hmm. about that effort it's more about making sure that 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 psychological safety is in place making sure that people feel heard that doesn't cost you anything maybe there's a little bit of cost associated with the training fair enough and that training is important Mm -hmm. but a lot of the things that we talked about take nothing they 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 just that concerted effort on the part of the organization to implement
0: and on that note we we will close thank you so much for taking the time it's it's been fascinating to work with you on the study and the outcomes have been even more insightful than i think we even predicted so thank you carrie thank you andres for today and thank you for listening thanks thanks for having us thank you I'm sure you agree. That was an insightful and fascinating discussion with Andres and Kerry, and I hope you enjoyed it. Knowing beyond intuition that creating inclusive working environments drives positive mental health will hopefully give organisations a stronger platform from which to focus on making their companies more inclusive. Thank you for listening. And if you're interested in the work we do at Whittle and Diversity in Retail and would like to find out more, please visit our website wihtl.com and diversityinretail.com or follow us on LinkedIn.